My name is Rishma Walji, and this is the EXO Conversations podcast. On this podcast, we unpack lifestyle and wellness topics in unique ways. The deeper theme is really about self-awareness, learning about ourselves and making intentional changes in a way that will work for us and help us to add extra into ordinary lives to make it an extraordinary life that we love. I have a question for you. Are you a perfectionist? Parenting is one of the main themes. Oh, wait, start again. Do you always feel like everything has to be perfect and flawless? Ideal parent, even if we know what that is. Nope. Try this again. If you're not sure, here are some examples that might resonate with you. If you make any mistakes, you feel terrible, like a failure or you feel guilty for making mistakes. There are different aspects to perfectionism. Expecting your... Uh, of course, I'm messing this up. Maybe you focus on the mistakes instead of the things that were done well. You're afraid of not reaching your goals, and perhaps you procrastinate as a way to avoid tasks for fear of failure. Okay, I'm going to go back. I'm not going to say unfortunately. Let me let me just try that one part again that starts with unfortunately, but I'm going to take out the unfortunately. Sometimes you focus so much on the goal or the destination, you forget to think about the journey and your progress. This part of the conversation... St- <clears throat> Maybe you're afraid to fail, sometimes so much that you won't even try. You crave approval from others and have a hard time with critical feedback. You're really hard on yourself. Thank you, Mr. Mark Darcy and Bridget Doan. Ah, This is me trying to make a joke. (laughs) If any of these things are familiar to you, you may be struggling with perfectionism. You may have even told yourself to remember, progress over perfection. I've told myself this many times, but it doesn't always work. And I think it's because when you're trying to be perfect, nothing else will do. So today, along with two guests, Patricia and Krista, I'm going to explore this question. Do we need to be perfect? Or is being good enough sometimes good enough? My name is Patricia. I'm, um, I feel like it depends what day you ask me, but today I'm a working from home mom of a two-year-old that's been home with me for about a week and a half. And it's so funny because that was who I thought the type of mom that I would have been like, you know, it has to be perfect. And I'm going to have all these great activities planned out and, and, um, yeah, this you know, perfect schedule and meal plans for her. And yeah. Parenting is one of the main times we feel the need to be perfect. We're bombarded with messages about the perfect way to raise our kids, how to feed them, how to manage their emotions, how to make sure they're in the right programs and have the best schedule. We know it's a fallacy. We know we can't be perfect, but we try. And when we can't meet our own expectations or those of others, we feel like we're failing. 
Probably the other day, I know my daughter, what was she having for lunch? Timbits and potato wedges. And I'm like, that's not a balanced meal at all. Um, That particular day, like she wasn't eating very much, but I'm just like, okay, if that's, you know, that's what you're going to eat, then I'll accept that. And like, probably when I say like old me, but probably when I was more in the thick of like the social media and seeing all these balanced meals and creative meals and that were being given to children, I probably would have been like, you could have at least tried, like you didn't even try to give her that. Sometimes you just got to make it through the day and that's okay. I remember you told me sometimes good enough is good enough. Patricia is talking about a concept that I came across called good enough parenting. It dispels the quote, perfect parent myth and argues that it's okay to make mistakes and to have realistic expectations of our parenting abilities. The idea resonates with me and with many parents because it takes the pressure off of feeling the need to always do everything, well, perfectly. Because we aren't perfect parents, and I know we're not perfect people. Of course, we want to be the best parent possible, and we want our kids to have the most wonderful childhood. But the idea of perfection in parenting is unrealistic, because we're human, and real life happens. And honestly, what does it even mean to be the perfect parent? Does it mean that I'll protect my children from every bad experience out there? I couldn't do that. And even if I could, then they wouldn't learn how to be resilient and handle situations on their own. Does it mean that I'll always stay calm and emotionally regulated? Well, if I could, that would be amazing. But then they'd never learn how to regulate their own emotions. The idea of being good enough really is to drop the expectation that we'll be perfect parents or that our children will be perfect people because if we believe that problems should not happen and mistakes should not happen, then it follows that it's someone's fault if they do. This way, instead of blaming or feeling guilty when life happens, as it always does in an imperfect world, We aim to solve the problem, manage the challenge, process the emotion, support the effort, console in a struggle. So if we get on board with knowing and believing that perfection in parenting isn't realistic or even desirable, and if I accept that some days will be great and some days will be good enough, I started thinking, can this concept of being good enough be applied to other aspects of life? My name is Krista. I am a mother of two. I am a teacher. I am an aspiring writer, an aspiring um, comedian, and Um, about a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, which has changed my life in many ways. Uh, and I find myself really digging deep to make the most of what time I have left. Krista and I originally connected because of an article she wrote in today's parent on good enough parenting. I wanted to talk to her about the idea of being good enough in all aspects of life. At the crux of 
that article, it was sort of comparing being good enough as your standard versus perfectionism, you know, and what, what is actually the damage being caused by good enough versus perfectionism? That is a concept that I think resonates with many parents because we do, you know, overparenting is now a thing. We're striving for perfection. We want our kids to achieve things or we have our own sort of expectations. Uh, the list goes on. But when I start to take that concept of being good enough, not perfect, into other contexts in my life, what I discovered was that I had written this article about sort of the dangers of trying to constantly achieve perfection. And yet I was still bringing that, that perfectionism into like the cancer world. So whereas, you know, when my kids were, were infants, I would be showing up to play groups being like, how often does he nap? How often does your nap? What does he eat? And, and I, you know, I was being nosy in a sense, like, am I doing this right? And what are you doing that I'm not doing? I mean, I turned into the cancer patient who was like, what, what vitamins are you on? Are you getting the mistletoe injection? Are you, which, which, who's your naturopath? What's your onco? Like, and I, and I wanted to, <laughs> to, to be the best cancer patient. And even so far as I actually told my therapist, like, let's get this grief thing sorted out because I want to, I want to die really well. Like I want to, I want to do this death, like perfectly. And I mean, she, <laughs> she laughed and then I later laughed because that's absurd. Um, yeah. What does a perfect it, death look like? I don't even know, but that, <laughs> I, I wanted to like peacefully just sort of smile and everything. It's all right. I figured it all out by now. And that's an impossible expectation to fit on myself. Oh my God. Perhaps wanting to do everything right is Krista's way of trying to make sure her loved ones are taken care of and that she doesn't leave anything unresolved. But I think that while we may not know what the perfect death is, many of us are trying to live a perfect life. Sometimes we feel like perfection is expected of us by society, on social media, by our boss or our family. And sometimes we put it on ourselves, perhaps out of fear of judgment or embarrassment. Or if you're a growth-minded person, achievement-oriented, if you want to give back to the world, if you have big dreams of accomplishing great things, it's very likely that you also feel the need to perform at your best, to be the best, sometimes even at the expense of yourself. Like Patricia. It was like, I had to meet perfection in every aspect of my life. So in all my like little columns, you know, social, family, you know, romantic relationships, work, and um, like they each had to to meet that. And it didn't matter how much I was taking from me personally, as long as I was like giving it 150% and all those other aspects. I asked Patricia how it felt when she was trying to be perfect all the time, every day, in every aspect of her life. Yeah, before I was a mess, like very emotional, feeling disappointed almost every day, for sure, majority of the day, um, super emotional, crying, just constantly feel like I've let myself down again, I've left my, let my family down again, 
you know, a lot of those shoulds, shoulds constantly, constantly, constantly on my mind. Should have done this, should have done that. Yeah, just constantly feeling crummy, like you're not meeting those expectations, which are your own expectations. So sometimes society's expectations, but that you then put on yourself. Complete mess. Patricia shared with me that trying to be perfect and giving everything to all of those expectations eventually took a toll on her. It was definitely there already because I've definitely, you know, in my career reached the burnout moment, you know, where it definitely started impacting my health because I wanted to be, you know, that go-to person, the best on the team. Anyone, you know, can ask me to do anything and I'd be able, I would just take it on. Yes, 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 yes. Then I burnt myself out really really bad. Um, it started affecting not even my mental health, my physical health. And then kind of that was a big eye opener. Logically, we can all understand this. We know that we can't be any good to anyone if we're not taking care of ourselves. We know we can't be perfect in any role. And I probably know that even at work, it's unrealistic to expect perfection. But I do. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay, like with this podcast, I know that I'm harder on myself than anyone else would be, and I knew that as I got my footing, I'd eventually listen to my earlier episodes and hear all my mistakes or think that I could have said something better that's already happening. Of course, I don't want it to be bad. I want to be proud of what I put out there, and I want people to benefit from it. But at some point, I needed to be brave and subscribe to the being good enough philosophy because otherwise I'd never release any episodes and I'd certainly not have the opportunity to learn and get better. But in other instances, like when I was working with a patient, it was really hard to accept anything less than perfect. I gave everything to each patient and I tried really hard to show up not just as my best, but as perfect as possible. Krista mentioned that as the patient going through her cancer treatments, of course, that was what she wanted too. You, you definitely want an excellent <laughs> surgeon. Like, are you perfect? <laughs> you know, what are your reviews? Tell me that you have never made a mistake. I'm in good hands. It's different than in parenting because as professionals, surgeons are meticulously trained. They develop experience and expertise and that's totally different from being in a role like parenting, where you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. I mean, how could they just send us home with an infant alone? What do we do now? The reality is, even surgeons can't be perfect, no matter how hard they try. The other side to that perfection is that even surgeons, I mean, we're good enough at a certain point. And if they are given a new situation that they haven't seen often, they're good enough or they're not. And their patient doesn't make it or barely makes it. Or they're sort of shaking afterwards thinking, I'm not good enough. If you lean towards being a perfectionist, it's really hard to be comfortable with being good enough. If you're living with the voice of perfectionism, you also likely have a harsh internal dialogue in which your inner critic constantly tells you that good enough is not good enough, that you're not good enough, 
no matter what you do or how hard you try. Experts tend to define perfectionism as a combination of excessively high personal standards and overly critical self-evaluations. There are three different aspects to perfectionism. One, expecting yourself to be perfect. This is called self-oriented perfectionism, which occurs when individuals attach irrational importance to being perfect. They hold unrealistic expectations of themselves and they're punitive in their self-evaluations. Number two, expecting others to be perfect. This is called other-oriented perfectionism. This is when people believe that it's important for others to strive for perfection and be perfect. Other-oriented perfectionists expect others to be perfect and are highly critical of others who fail to meet these expectations. And the third is thinking others expect you to be perfect. This is called socially prescribed perfectionism. This is where individuals believe their social context is excessively demanding, that others judge them harshly, and that they must display perfection to secure approval. Perfectionistic tendencies have been linked in research to a long list of clinical issues, depression and anxiety even in children, self-harm, social anxiety disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, chronic fatigue syndrome, insomnia, dyspepsia, chronic headaches, and most worrisome of all, even early mortality and suicide. When we think of perfectionism, we tend to think mostly about the excessively high personal standards part. Like if you're in a job interview and they ask you, what's your biggest weakness? And you say, oh, well, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. We don't tend to think of the other side of perfectionism, which is overly critical self-evaluations. It's a good thing to want to excel and perform and reach your goals, whatever they might be. But perfectionism isn't defined by having high standards. It's defined by having a critical voice. Perfectionism isn't a behavior. It's a way of thinking about yourself. In fact, if you're a perfectionist, you're actually less likely to excel. Because perfectionists are often falling short of expectations. Of course, they can't be perfect. So they experience more guilt, more shame, more anger... And it's more likely for a perfectionist to avoid situations and challenges. They're more likely to have poor coping strategies when things go wrong, and they tend to give up more easily. So if we want to try our best, and if we want to be our best, how do we manage while still understanding that sometimes we can be good enough without being perfect? I think the answer is self-compassion. What if we're always striving for better? Whatever that looks like for us. Maybe better in a new career or better at taking care of ourselves. What if we're always striving for better, but we give ourselves self-compassion if we fall short? For me, self-compassion was always something really kind of self-indulgent. It sounded new agey. 
it sounded like, oh, you just coddle yourself so you can not be accountable and you can get away with stuff and you can make mistakes and you can say that's okay and you never have to feel bad. And it wasn't until I really unpacked it that I I had this aha moment where I realized that the way that I speak to myself is so intense and so harmful that if a partner were to speak to me that way, my friends and family would have staged an intervention to get me out of that abusive relationship. This part of the conversation stood out to me because I know that if a friend made a mistake or wasn't perfect, I would be much more compassionate and supportive and understanding of their humanity than I would be of my own. What do they say we're our own worst critics? What if we could instead be our own best friend? Self-compassion for me now is to identify that inner critic as really a bully or an abusive voice that isn't actually keeping me accountable, isn't actually motivating me. It's it's whittling me down. So my self-compassion practice is to not breathe life into every thought that I have. It doesn't, it's not true just because it flashes into my brain. So that's been a huge piece for me. And, and I think anyone with really high expectations, I think might, might identify with this, not necessarily like maybe their inner voice isn't quite as abusive or has different sort of timbers or tones. But I think the self-compassion piece for me was that I don't need to self-flagellate to be good. I am already good. And I'm actually more motivated and um, more relaxed when I'm not allowing myself to beat myself up. And it's hard. Like I actually have to, you know, do this practice that feels unnatural. That's, you know, where you tell yourself, you've got this. I love you. You're okay. Like I even cringe saying it. I honestly, cause I'm, I'm still working through it, but the fact that I'm cringing because I can't tell myself you got this, you know, still says how much work I have to do. It sounds easy, right? Just to be kind to ourselves, be compassionate towards yourself the way you would to your best friend. But of course, it's not that easy. So let's talk about how to move towards self-compassion. Think about what you value in life. Responsibility, openness, and respect. Perhaps you value performance or hard work, discipline, leadership. In the long run, our subjective perceptions and self-criticism of whether we live up to those values have an impact on our self-worth. And that determines whether the voices in our heads are kind and supportive or destructive and devaluing. What we think of ourselves also influences how we behave. That often means we live out a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if we think we're not good enough, we'll never actually measure up to being good enough. I'm not saying we need to change our values. On the contrary, your values are integral to who you are. 
but we need to change the impact those expectations have on us. Let's say you value working hard and you need to take some time off. Self-criticism is feeling like you're not good enough because you took time off. Self-compassion means offering patience and kindness and non-judgmental understanding to yourself, knowing that taking time off doesn't mean you're not a hard worker. I talked to Krista about what she wants to accomplish in life. After her cancer diagnosis, of course, her world was upended. She said that sometimes she struggles with her desire to do things, to leave a legacy, to follow her dreams, and the reality that in her current circumstances, that's not always possible. It's about acknowledging that there is nothing that can flourish at 100% capacity all the time. On birthdays, I'm aiming for 100, okay? (laughs) But... You know, most of the time it's going to be 75 to 90, but um, there are going to be days where I'm at 40. Um, There might be days where I'm at zero, but we're all going to have 40% days. We're all going to have 0% days. Our surgeons with five stars who've done the procedure a thousand times are going to show up and have a 40% day where the same procedure, just something happened and they weren't, they missed a number. And if those 40% days or 0% days add up, we need to ask for help. We need to have a plan to get back up. Maybe we need to help ourselves with self-care or an accountability group or a support group or a spouse or a therapist or someone you trust. Kristen Neff, researcher and author, talks about self-compassion as a practice of goodwill, not good feelings. With self-compassion, we mindfully accept that the moment is perhaps painful and we embrace ourselves with kindness and care in response, remembering that imperfection is part of the shared human experience. So let's talk about some strategies to improve your self-compassion. One strategy is acknowledging your emotion. When you catch yourself thinking a negative thought like, I'm such a horrible person for getting upset, try instead acknowledging the feeling. It's okay that I felt upset. Another strategy is to disconnect our shortcomings from our self-worth. Our mistakes or shortcomings are not a definition of who we are as people. If you drop the ball at work on a project, that doesn't make you a bad employee or a bad person. The third strategy I'll talk about here is to let go of labels and judgment. It's easy to assume things like, I'm a fast talker. I I talk too fast in presentations. They're always going to go badly which sometimes precludes the possibility that you'll ever act in a different way in the future. This, once again, is about treating yourself as you would others, and it's a future-focused way to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. So if we're practicing self-compassion, can we be satisfied with not being perfect? Is it good enough to be good enough? Let's go back to Patricia. After thinking about good enough parenting, she tried to move away from perfectionism into being happy with being good enough. It helped her in the thick of things when she had a young child and was juggling work and other responsibilities. But after a while, she came across a problem. I worry because there's been times, especially, you know, in the last two years with everything that's been going on, using that good enough mentality 
and just blaming the lack of motivation or the tired, almost using it as a procrastinating factor. I've brought back in the fitness routine into my life and I'm just thinking about sometimes like when I have to do burpees, I hate burpees <laughs> and how easily I'd be able to be compassionate and say, oh, you know, you did 10. That's so much better than not doing any at all. When I know that I could have, you know, probably cram in like two, three, four more and then just given up. And then I think of like the coach on the, on the video saying like, is it your mind that's giving up or is it your body? Hmm. If we're practicing self-compassion, could we be at risk for becoming complacent? Back to some of like evaluations, year end evaluations that I used to have at work. And I could have my best year. Your manager's never going to tell you you were perfect. They always want you to grow. They always want you to improve. The next year you want to be better, you know? So maybe the striving for this perfection, knowing that it's, Never, not attainable, or it's going to change even if we have our definition as perfection, you know, whatever that might be, knowing that it's going to change. Yeah. And I think you bring up such a good point. If you're striving to be perfect, there's no space to grow. How, how can we be perfect? Because then you can never change. Then we're going to become complacent. Yeah. <laughs> complacent with perfection. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right? But I don't know that that would sit well with me either. <laughs> so if we're not able to be perfect, but we want to strive and be our best and at the same time not get complacent, when do we push harder and when do we settle for good enough? When do we stop and rest and when do we pick ourselves up and keep going? I thought a lot about this because this is one of my values, personal growth. I don't feel satisfied with good enough if I'm not learning and growing and improving. What I realized is that it comes down to how we define self-compassion and how we contextualize why we need it. If we think of self-compassion as being kind and understanding to ourselves, you're not ruthlessly judging and criticizing yourself for various inadequacies and mistakes. Things will not always go the way you want them to. You're going to encounter problems and you'll lose once in a while and you'll make mistakes and reach your limitations and fall short of your ideals. Have you ever heard that sentence, I like you no matter what? I never really liked that sentence because of the no matter what part. It implies that there is an unacceptable what. I much prefer the I like you just as you are. Thank you, Mark Darcy and Bridget Jones. If you think about caring for yourself, you want to change and grow and improve in ways that allow you to be more healthy and happy, to have better relationships and more fulfillment. You strive for these things, not because you're not good enough, but because you want to support yourself in a caring and loving way. So if you contextualize why you need compassion on a long day when you're supposed to exercise and instead you decide not to, If it's because you need the rest to function and you're taking care of your needs, whether physical or emotional, then it's compassion. 
if it's because you're giving yourself an excuse, then perhaps it's more like self-indulgence, which I think can lead to complacency. Remember that being compassionate to yourself means that you want to be happy and healthy, both physically and mentally, in the long term. In many cases, we can confuse compassion by thinking that we're giving ourselves comfort, but actually we're harming our well-being, such as eating junk food, sitting around on the sofa. But giving yourself health and lasting happiness often involves a certain amount of effort, like exercising or cooking healthy meals or managing stress. Saying to yourself, I'm stressed out today, so I'm going to be kind to myself and just watch TV all day and eat a quart of ice cream, that's not self-compassion. It's probably more self-indulgent. And while we all self-indulge sometimes, cookies are a particular weakness for me, we just need to be aware of the difference. I feel like the way I look at it is, If I'm aware and intentional about what I'm doing, then that's perfect to me. Because if I'm aware that today is not a 100% day, then maybe I can adjust my day, give myself some me time, which I'm really bad at doing, but I'm working on. I think setting an intention is so important. And, And I think too, like being connected with how you feel. So many of us are in auto. I was an autopilot and... I'm sort of the cautionary tale for that because I just put, I just, I was so exhausted and so run down that I didn't even know how run down I was. Uh, I didn't even know it was cancer that was running me down. I was just so used to being exhausted. And I would read these like symptoms afterwards of, you know, and I was, I'd missed all the signs because I was already in that state of exhaustion. And I think when we're in tune with how we are and we start to see patterns, we can also plan a little bit better how to manage our energy and where, when and where we can aim for, you know, higher uh, goals with our relationships and, and, and things. And when we really have to kind of just get the food on the table and get the kids in the bath and read them the story, but maybe you're not feeling 100% present. So let's go back to the question. Can we apply this theory of good enough parenting to other parts of our lives? Is good enough actually good enough? What I've learned is that if we're living life fully, whatever that looks like for you, whether that means that you're accomplishing something or learning something or taking time to recover or for self-care, if you're living life fully and offering yourself self-compassion along the way, then that's good enough. Because self-compassion is being your own best friend. You know, the one that offers you a hug when you need it, or a shoulder to lean on. The one who also signs you up for, I don't know, a 10k run and supports you while you're training, and then high fives you when you cross the finish line. The one who calls you out when you're self-sabotaging and bigs you up when you've had the courage to face something head on. We shouldn't strive for perfect because instead of making us better, it will actually hold us back. Maybe the conclusion here is not that we're aiming to be good enough, but instead that we accept ourselves, flaws and all, and we support ourselves in striving to be our best, recognizing that we'll make mistakes along the way. I'm getting better at giving myself grace 
and, you know, saying, you know, sometimes you just got to make it through the day and that's okay. And what about not getting complacent? Well, turns out that self-compassionate people actually have more intrinsic motivation in life. Trying hard because they want to learn and grow, not because they need to impress themselves or others. Self-compassionate people are more likely to acknowledge their past mistakes or limitations or shortcomings or circumstances with emotional stability, while also taking responsibility for them and moving forward in a more effective way. After our interview, Patricia left me a message. She had been trying out some self-compassion, and this is what happened. I found I did experience some of that personal motivation this morning from the self-compassion I gave myself yesterday. So I'd planned all day to get my workout in, and by the end of the day, I ran out of time. I decided to give myself some compassion, go to bed, have a restful night, and get a really good workout in this morning. And it worked. I woke up today and I did a double workout. By the way, I don't think we should strive for good enough either. I feel like we should change the name of this philosophy. Maybe excellent or wonderful or even great. Great enough. (laughs) Oh, well, I got to finish up and work on the next episode. So I guess this one will have to be good enough. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the EXO Conversations podcast. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode, please send it over to them. If you've been listening all season, you know that I always end on something positive. Today, it's a huge gratitude. I want to send a very special shout out to my editor, Avery. She takes my wild ideas, respects my vision, and turns it into reality. Avery, you make each episode sound absolutely perfect. Since this podcast is all about loving life and adding extra, if you're interested in being more intentional in your own life, you can find some great resources on the website at livingxo.com. I have workshops, one on anxiety and another one that's coming up on parenting. I have a prompted journal to help you become more self-aware and gain clarity in different areas of life. And my newest journal that's meant to help you connect more deeply with your kids. Check out the Connected Parent episode for more information on how that journal came to be. Thank you for being here with me on this creative journey. I've been getting messages from people who have listened and enjoyed various episodes and the podcast in general, and it means so much to me. I couldn't do this without you, so thank you. 